What if I told you that you were about to listen to another wrestling podcast? Are you ready? This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, episode number 41. CJ Palmasano here, and uh, we are going to be going over what's been going on in this crazy world of professional wrestling. A lot has happened in the past week uh, with NXT, AEW, Raw, and SmackDown. A lot of news that's been going on with, uh, with the confirmed Hall of Famers for this year's WrestleMania weekend with... Um, WrestleMania plans, uh, NXT being involved somehow in WrestleMania. We have TLC this Sunday, the 15th, um, and it's going to, uh, I mean, the card seems to be alright. Uh, a lot is going on, uh, I mean, Saturday itself will be my birthday, so happy birthday to me. Uh, welcome back if you are a regular listener, and if you are new, welcome to the programming. <laughs> Typically, I do this with my good buddy, Sean McChesney, as Sean has been working very hard the past number of weeks, and we miss him, and hopefully he can come back very soon. Love you, buddy. Anyway, so let's just get right into it here. I think we should start things off with that the first set of Hall of Famers that have been announced this year have been Dave Bautista and the NWO. Dave Bautista, obviously, going in. So NWO consisting of... Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and X-Pac, better known as Six in the NWO back then. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a good decision, especially for Dave Batista. I think uh, as you look back, you may think that maybe Batista, if you are more of a smart mark or became a smart mark internet fan, you kind of think, oh, Batista can't wrestle. I'm like, and I'm going to dispute the argument that, yes, he can. Batista was a great wrestler. He had great matches with the likes of The Undertaker, Edge, uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, John Cena. The list goes on and on of how great of a wrestler Dave Batista is, and he's proven how great he is time and time again. And uh, very obviously very much well-deserving for Dave Batista. 
Um, should he go in as as the headliner of the night? Um, if they are able to, if they've been able to fix the Hall of Fame and structure it better, unlike Goldberg's Hall of Fame ceremony, um, yes. Uh, if not, then for sure let NWO just go in the end because that was ridiculous. <laughs> because uh, Dave deserves better. Uh, but now Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, and uh, X Pac are now all two-time WWE Hall of Famers. There's only a handful of guys who've been able to do that, along with these four guys. You also have Ric Flair and uh, Shawn Michaels. But uh, obviously very well-deserving for all these guys. I'm especially happy for Dave Batista. Just growing up, he was one of my favorite wrestlers, and uh, getting to see his last match at WrestleMania, although may have been at that point, Mania was, may have been getting pretty long, it was a really cool moment that he was at... Uh, the first show I had seen live in SummerSlam 2007, and now I get to see him go out for his last match at WrestleMania 35 this year. But anyway, let's just get into what happened has been going on throughout the week. Um, we got TLC this Sunday, and I'd have to say uh, this week's Raw was not bad. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't great, but not bad. You know, there were some really good things in here. For one, uh, we... Is it safe to say that the Lana Rusev Bobby Lashley storyline is improving a bit? Just a bit. I mean, it's not great, but it's improved a little bit. Um, Lana and Rusev got a divorce on Raw. Um, Lana claimed that she wanted their dog, and he's like, well, that was a gift to me. You gave me joy. She's like, yeah, but now I want it back. I want to get it back. Like, but you bought it for me. It's a gift. It belongs to me. She's a gift. She belongs to me. I don't know. Uh, you think with all the things like you know Lana and Rusev have a pretty decent amount of money, and Rusev is like, I want your car, I want half your money, I want this. No, he asked for a match for <laughs> with her boyfriend Bobby Lashley. Wrestling can be very silly sometimes, but anyway, we're getting Rusev versus Bobby Lashley at TLC. Um, I'll go into my predictions later on as to who I think will win this Sunday at TLC. But you know that's what we're getting: Lana, Rusev, and Bobby Lashley, and. We knew we were all going to get this at some point, and I do think they could pull on a good match. It's just maybe the the story that's been told of how we've gotten to here at this point may have not been the best. Um, we had Drew McIntyre beat Matt Hardy. I really like that Drew has been... It feels like he's being properly built for something. I would hope that come Mania, he has a really big match planned or he has some big plans for the rumble maybe he's he wins the rumble or maybe he has a match with brock or he's set up for a big match at mania i hope so because i've said countless times on this podcast of how much i love drew mcintyre and that i'm such a big fan of his and i've just been he's just been on a tear the past the year since the since he's come back to WWE. sure there's been some low points and he's been injured but he's been doing a phenomenal job in my opinion with uh, how well, uh, at least recently, how well he's being booked. I I like how he's giving his opponents the opportunity to just leave the ring and to save themselves the embarrassment and the pain whereas one, it could make Drew look like a total badass because eventually someone will back down and be like, no, I'm not facing him. But then it can kind of make his opponents also look really brave and make them look good in the process where he's giving them the option like Akira Tozawa did last week and Drew Mac- and Matt Hardy this week sure Matt Hardy may not be as popular or as important as he once was granted maybe a few years ago with the Woken and Broken stuff and even with the Hardy Boys and V1 Matt but getting over a win over Matt Hardy is big for Drew McIntyre plus 
Matt Hardy is very much a guy who can very who can still be there to help the younger talent, who can still be there to uh, be a big help in the company in general. And I think he's reached a point in his career where he's pretty much done everything he could possibly ever want to do, and he can just kind of help out. But um, I know Matt Hardy also has aspirations to do more, but we'll just have to wait and see as to when exactly Matt Hardy will uh, do more. The Viking Raiders issued an open challenge, and the challenge was answered by the Street Profits. This was kind of like a only like a four, five-minute match, which kind of led to eventual squash where the Viking Raiders beat them. Uh, apparently, Sami Zayn can now be a manager on both Raw and SmackDown because he's managing Rojo, Mojo Raleigh. As uh, Seth Rollins had called out the Authors of Pain, Kevin Owens came out instead, and he had his lead pipe given by Rey Mysterio. Rollins leaves, and uh, Sami Zayn comes out with Mojo Raleigh because... Earlier in the night, Kevin Owens asked if he saw where the AOP went. And he's like, oh, he went that way. No, wait. And they point behind him said that way. Or this way. And Mojo was kind of messing with him, so he beat the crap out of Mojo. Sammy says he has a, marriage, has a managerial license that allows him to go back and forth between shows. And Sammy wanted, to, him to apologize, uh, Sammy wanted Kevin to apologize to Mojo, but Kevin Owens responded by beating the crap out of Mojo Raleigh. Uh, Liv Morgan got a got a package, a promo package, uh, showing a new uh, character. Maybe, well, not necessarily. Um, she teased something a while ago when, on Instagram. She put up a picture of that was showing from her lips down to about the middle of her chest, and she had like black lipstick on and black hair. She's a black, so maybe teasing like a gothic type character. And I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, Liv Morgan, I think, can be a really huge player in the in the women's division. And teasing a new character, a different type of character, and from what I can gather in my mind right now, I don't really think there's any other woman who kind of has like a gothic type of vibe, other than maybe Ember Moon. Um, but we haven't seen Ember Moon on, on Raw or SmackDown lately. I think she's on SmackDown. Yeah, I guess maybe you could say Bailey with her being emo Bailey, but as far as a gothic type female on the roster, I can't really think of anybody. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what comes of that. Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy was announced, but let's get into the really, really good stuff that happened in Raw this week. Uh, have to say. Everything pays off, and I said this in the summertime, that they needed to do what exactly? They needed to turn Seth Rollins' heel. What did they do? They fully pulled the trigger, and they turned Seth Rollins' heel. Kevin Owens was looking for the AOP to come after them and beat them up. The AOP beat up Kevin Owens, and there's a third person who comes in, reveals himself, it's Seth Rollins, and then Seth Rollins curb stomps Kevin Owens. Seth Rollins is officially turned heel. He is he says he is tired of being spit on, being disrespected after working his ass off every night, call, just calling out the fans, saying he's done and tired of making them happy. He's tired of busting his ass every night and not showing the appreciation that he deserves with the A, and that's why he has joined the AOP, aligned himself with the AOP. And to WWE's credit, they are doing something with Seth Rollins 
that they didn't do with Roman Reigns. And that's turn Seth Rollins heel when they absolutely needed to. Because there were several times when Roman Reigns needed to turn heel and they just didn't do it. Vince was just very stubborn in making, No, he's got to be a babyface, damn it! We're going to put him on the moon and make a big brock. <laughs> there were several times in Roman Reigns' career where I'm just like, he should be a heel right now. He should be a heel. I mean, he tried to kill Braun Strowman in 2017 at the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. Yeah, remember that was a thing? Great Balls of Fire? Everyone was claiming, oh my god, we just saw a double turn. I'm like, no, we didn't. We did not see a double turn. Anything that had to do with a Roman Reigns heel turn, anything that had to do with a rumor, whatever, I'm just like, I won't believe a Roman Reigns heel turn when I see, I, when I see it for myself. And there were reports that, well, not reports, but Meltzer was speculating and even saying after the whole uh, Hell in a Cell thing, maybe, with, with The Fiend, that this wasn't a double turn. But whatever the reasoning be, I'm glad they decided to change, go against the grain, well, go against their natural decision to just push the baby, baby face they want and just make him the guy and you know, Superman the shit out of him, but I'm glad they decided to do this because Seth Rollins for sure works much better as a heel than he is a babyface. Now, I've said on this podcast before, Seth Rollins a year ago as a babyface was arguably the most over babyface on the main roster, and when they kind of just let Seth be Seth, and they kind of just let him... I mean, his in-ring work speaks for himself. But with him as a person, they just kind of let him be a person, let him be himself as a babyface. That works. That works perfectly. It's when Vince was trying to mold him and make him the top babyface and trying to make him, like, the guy and do the same thing with Roman Reigns, which... It just didn't work. But... I'm very interested to see what's going to happen now. I'm interested to see how and what they're going to do with Seth Rollins from here to from from this point forward, and if if by some miracle WWE were able to get CM Punk to face Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, I mean, I would think they're trying their hardest to do, and I mean, now is the time to try and really push forward with it because Rollins is a heel now and Punk would obviously be the babyface and he'd be he'd get the biggest pop of the night at Mania if he if he actually decides to wrestle but we'll have to wait and see for that but it looks like they wanted to do Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins at the pay-per-view this Sunday but apparently Seth Rollins has suffered an injury and he broke his finger at a house show uh, recently and you know to fair credit you really don't want to mess anything up and it could hurt things more. Some people right now could be going, oh, it's a broken finger. Who cares? Hey, well, you know, it's not your call to make. It's the company's decision. And honestly, if Rollins went into a match, he could have, like, messed it up worse, and who knows, could have missed some time. But, look, I always say, better be safe than sorry. So, I'm fine with that. I love the heel turn from Seth Rollins. I'm glad that he is finally... I feel like he can get away with more as a heel than he can with a baby face. I enjoy his heel work better as a babyface. But again, 
I will. Some people may say, "Oh, Seth Rollins is not meant to be a babyface. Seth Rollins just isn't a good babyface," and it's not true. Like I just said, Seth Rollins can be a great babyface. Seth Rollins can be the top. He can be the top babyface in the company if they just kind of let him be him instead of trying to, you know, make him be what he was, a guy who was not cool trying to be cool. But I'm glad he's a heel. I'm glad he's a heel. We also had gotten uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair finally getting together to accept the Kabuki Warriors Challenge at TLC for the Women's Tag Team Championship in a TLC match. I'll get into my predictions later and get more in-depth with that match. Just wanted to cover it real quickly. The main event of the night was Rey Mysterio versus AJ Styles for the United States Championship. Um, this was a good match. Not by any means like the best match in any of these guys' career, but a good, fun match. Um, I feel like, granted, with more time... Maybe, or maybe on a pay-per-view, this match could have been better. Because I actually honestly would have loved to see this at the pay-per-view on Sunday. But uh, I guess that's not the case. I really would have liked to see... Uh, I would have really loved to see this match at WrestleMania this year. Uh, that doesn't necessarily need the, the United States Championship. But, uh, but it could have really been a really great match. Because, you know, AJ Styles, is I can tell, is a very, very influenced by Rey Mysterio. And Rey Mysterio is just... A legend for a guy like AJ Styles because for a lot of smaller guys who wanted to get into wrestling they looked at Ray and they're just like oh I can do that guys like AJ and Will Ospreay and Ricochet just to name a few but uh, Randy Orton got into that in the match and just kind of distracted AJ I believe and then cost him the title I'm not against AJ and Randy working together again because now the dynamics have changed. I believe Orton's now babyface, and Styles is obviously a heel now. But I don't know how far this is going to go. I don't know if this is going to lead to a match at the Rumble, if it's going to lead to another match at Mania. I mean, we already saw the match at Mania, and it was good, but I really don't think we need to keep seeing this. Um, maybe a short television program I'd be fine with, with AJ and Orton, but, but we'll see. We'll see what goes on. Um... Getting into a quick little story here. So, time for a little news segment. So, according to uh, Billy Batty of the Dirty Sheets podcast, coming out of Creative yesterday, and I'm not sure, really sure when this article was, I'm just happening to read the quote. Pretty much the idea was to have Tyson Fury face Brock Lesnar for the, for the championship, the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. Vince didn't shut down the idea, but it's said to be he's uh, but it's said to be considering it. I remember reading the report that the two possible opponents for Brock Lesnar would either be Kane Velasquez or Tyson Fury. Now, I don't like either one of those things one bit. I like Cain Velasquez facing Brock more than Tyson Fury because Cain Velasquez has been training to be a wrestler. Tyson Fury is not a wrestler. Tyson Fury is a boxer. I don't like when they bring in people who are not wrestlers 
to come in for these big spots against guys like Brock Lesnar, especially guys like Brock Lesnar who are part-timers and they're not there every week. And they're not... I mean... <laughs> I'm over the fact that Brock Lesnar is WWE Champion. I'm, I'm, I'm over being mad about that because with Brock as Champion, it's just like, eh, Brock's a champ again. Alright, here we go. Not going to see him until Rumble, then Mania, and let's see who beats him or whoever who will beat him. I don't know because to me, I feel like it's very played out. But again, I'm not going to get mad about it because there's no sense getting mad about it. It's just the way it is. I don't like this idea of Tyson Fury coming in, again, because he's just a guy outside of the company. He's a boxer. His match with Braun Strowman was not good. He won by countout. He's had one official match in the WWE. How can you justify a guy like this just coming in for the championship? I don't care what it has to do with outside outside viewership. I don't care if it has anything to do with Fox. It doesn't make any sense. Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar makes more sense, and I'm more okay with it because, again, Cain has trained to become a pro wrestler. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Doesn't mean that a guy like AJ Styles or Rey Mysterio or Ricochet or Drew McIntyre or Seth Rollins again or The Fiend or Roman Reigns or any other full-time guy on the roster shouldn't face Brock Lesnar for the championship. Just to name some guys, a few. I'm not saying I really want some of these guys to face Lesnar. Like I don't want Reigns or Le- or, or, or Ro- uh, Rollins to face Lesnar again. But I'm just using it as an example. It's just... I understand WrestleMania is your biggest show of the year. And you do bring a lot of casual viewers to your product. You do get... A, the ratings go up around that time building up to Mania. And... A lot of people are watching, and a lot of people are buying the pay-per-view just because it's WrestleMania. And a lot of people don't even just buy it because of who's on the... Sometimes people just buy WrestleMania because it is WrestleMania. But, but for the love of God, don't let the WWE Championship match be Tyson Fury versus Brock Lesnar. I considered going to Mania this year. I really wanted to go. WWE, make me a WrestleMania card... That will make me regret not buying a plane ticket, not buying a WrestleMania ticket, for me watching it at home be like, damn, I wish I was there. Make me regret not going. Because if you make a card where Tyson Fury versus Brock Lesnar's on the card, I'm just going to be like, damn, I'm glad I didn't waste my money and go down there. It's not what you want to do. You you generate a lot of people around the world who want to come to WrestleMania and who want to experience that. And who want to just be there for it live. A lot of people take time out of their vacations for this. But just please don't do Brock Lesnar versus Tyson Fury. If it was up to me, what I would be doing... And again, this is just completely up to me if I was booking WrestleMania this year. I would... Because Brock Lesnar's on Raw, Correct? He is the WWE Champion. The talent pool on Raw is absolutely tremendous right now. Hell, the talent pool in the entire WWE is tremendous. You're probably wondering, well, or probably asking, well, who would you pick to have Brock Lesnar 
face at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. Now, I have a few people who I think will be really good. The first, Drew McIntyre. I think, again, Drew McIntyre, mentioned earlier, I mentioned a bunch of times, he's one of my favorite guys on the, on the main roster right now. And I just think a match with him and Brock making him feel like a big deal and like just utterly almost destroying Brock Lesnar would be cool to see. Drew is a heel right now, so I don't necessarily see him winning the Rumble or going up against uh, to go up against Brock for the title. Another guy who I think would be in a, would be great is Ricochet. Ricochet is very similar to guys like he's faced where Brock has faced in the past, like Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, where uh, Rey Mysterio, guys who cut their teeth on the independent circuit. All around, who have wrestled all around the world, who can just take Brock to his limits. Rick Ricochet would be my top choice to face Lesnar at WrestleMania, to win the Rumble and face Lesnar at Mania in a really hard-fought battle where Ricochet like just narrowly defeats Brock Lesnar and wins the title. That's my dream, to really push Ricochet to the moon and beating a guy like Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I don't think they'll do that, though. I can honestly see them putting Ricochet in a, in a match against Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. I can see that, because Heyman is Paul Heyman is big on Ricochet, and I can see them putting him in that position like Finn last year, where they, this past year, rather, that where they can he can get a great match out of Brock, and it'll help Ricochet. But the one person who probably makes the most sense to face Brock Lesnar from as far as a popularity standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from all aspects, from a hardcore fan, a casual fan, and just and to please the WWE office, is Kevin Owens. Yes, I said if I was booking this, I would have Ricochet win the Rumble. I would have Ricochet beat Lesnar at WrestleMania. Yes, I know. But if we're being realistic here, I'm looking at the Raw roster as I'm talking right now. I don't see a single guy on here. Babyface, might I add. Who I think could really... At least, I mean, then again, things could change between now and Mania as far as popularity goes and build. But right now, if I had to say who's the top babyface on Raw, I'd say it's Kevin Owens. It has to be Kevin Owens. Because he's been the talk of the wrestling wrestling world since pretty much since TakeOver War Games. And we didn't get to see too much of a babyface Kevin Owens this year because they had to abruptly turn him heel. But I once I did see Brock Lesnar versus Kevin Owens at a house show in MSG. Yes. That happened. 2017, Madison Square Garden. Two of the big marquee matches were John Cena versus Bray Wyatt for the WWE Championship in, a, in the main event. And you had Brock Lesnar versus Kevin Owens in Madison Square Garden. And Kevin Owens got a good amount of offense in there against Brock Lesnar. Before Lesnar took him to Suplex City and then hit him with, and hit him with an F5 and won. 
But if that's just a taste of what Brock and Kevin Owens could potentially do in a with a with a good given amount of time, I think Kevin Owens versus Brock Lesnar is a money match at WrestleMania. I think it's a potential to main event WrestleMania. I think it is. Because Kevin Owens is that has that CM Punk factor, that Steve Austin factor, that cool factor, and the guy you just want to you want to be friends with, you want to hang out with. The guy who I mean, I guess saying the voice of the voiceless in in a sense. Kevin Owens for a long time now has not felt important because of his booking and missed opportunities. He's never made a event at WrestleMania and you need more guys on your roster like Kevin Owens to main event WrestleMania. If you look back in the past few years, there are only a handful of guys and if we're going girls too coming this past year's main event who have made event at WrestleMania who are full time on the active roster. Daniel Bryan Randy Orton Roman Reigns Becky Lynch Charlotte Flair and that's about it. I'm counting from WrestleMania 30 until now. Full-time male competitors, it's Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Randy Orton. Roman Reigns has reigned at WrestleMania 31, 32, 33, and 34. He's made it about four, he's made it about four WrestleManias in a row. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair just made it in WrestleMania this past year along with Ronda Rousey. And Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan made it at WrestleMania 30. That's a very short list of people who are not part-timers to main event at WrestleMania. You need more people who are full-time to main event WrestleMania. I get having guys like Brock Lesnar to bring in the draw and the appeal and everything. I get that. I understand that. But you need to be building your current guys on the roster so you can use them at some point, like Brock Lesnar, to appeal people who are lapsed fans and who may just fell out of wrestling and who just like who will only watch for ca- for their favorites when they're casual when when they eventually become casual fans if they become casual fans eventually. So that's what you have to do. That was me. I pushed for Kevin Owens versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and forget anything that would ha- potentially have to do with Tyson Fury or Cain Velasquez. But just because I said all this shit, they're probably just going to do Tyson Fury versus Brock Lesnar just out of spite to me. Vince will probably hear this and be like, Oh, we're going to teach that stupid little Mark with a podcast. <laughs> but one thing very interesting is that apparently, according to WrestleVotes, uh, NXT will be having a uh, role at WrestleMania 36. To quote the tweet here, Heard from a well-placed source, as of now, NXT will have a role at WrestleMania. Not talking about TakeOver, but on the actual Mania card. No details as to who or what, but an NXT presence will be felt at Raymond James Stadium. I kind of had the feeling of that because I remember seeing a... Uh, 
commercial or promo package, whatever it was, for WrestleMania 36, and Adam Cole was in the video package, which I found very interesting. Me personally, now I'm very optimistic when it came to Survivor Series playing a role in NXT, uh, playing a role, uh, I'm sorry, NXT playing a role in Survivor Series this past November. And it went great. I'd have to say probably the, maybe the, probably the best main roster pay-per-view for the WWE this year. Yeah. I think that's safe to say that Survivor Series was the best pay-per-view of this year for the WWE. And if you are establishing NXT as your third brand, I get that you want to have it in Survivor Series. Now, things can go very positively for this idea, but they could also go very negatively. Positively in the sense that you're getting guys and girls and from NXT on WrestleMania, and you may get some fans who, excuse me, don't watch NXT to watch NXT. That's the positive there. You're exposing these guys and girls to new faces, uh, to new eyes, to people who have never heard of them before. But at the same time, you're also exposing them to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon can see certain people and be like, I want him, I want him, I want her, I want him, I want her, I want him, and just gut the main the NXT roster like he always does mania season. We didn't really get that this year. And I hope that stays. Because I used to get excited about NXT call-ups coming to the main roster. I used to get really excited. But then after a few years, it just show, goes to show that Vince doesn't get a lot of the NXT guys and girls. More often than not. So if anything, maybe we'll see uh, Adam Cole defend the NXT Championship or something, or, or whoever the NXT Champion may be. But honestly, I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can be... I get how you built the story at Survivor Series and War Games leading into that weekend, but I don't know how you can build something for WrestleMania um, and, and having take the ta- uh, takeover the, fall, uh, the previous night I don't know. I really, really don't know. But we will have to wait and see. And as of right now, this is just an idea floating around backstage according to WrestleVotes. But as of right now, I'm kind of more on the pessimistic side of things. I guess moving on, we should uh, talk about NXT. Last night was actually the first time, as I'm recording this, I'm recording this on December 12th. So... Uh, last night, what for me was AEW and NXT. Last night was the first time that I actually decided to watch NXT over AEW. Granted, I was really torn as to which episode I wanted to watch because you had Santana and Ortiz against the Young Bucks in a hell of a street fight, which I'll get into in a little bit. But you also had Angel Garza versus Leo Rush for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. You had that main event of Finn Balor versus Tommaso Ciampa versus Keith Lee. Don't you forget about Keith. Thank you, Ross and Tom from Cultaholic. Uh, you have to... It was just very, very difficult for me to pick. And next week's going to be even more difficult to decide what episode I'm going to watch. 
kind of leaning more on the NXT side of things, but my opinion might change, my decision might change as, uh, come next week. So, we saw Mia Yim versus Dakota Kai, we saw Angel Garza versus Leo Rush, and my, Angel Garza and Leo Rush just had a balls-to-the-walls crazy type of match. I mean, these guys were going 100 miles uh, a minute Non-stop action, and this is where the cru- the cruiserweights should be and where they should shine because the full sail crowd appreciates the cruiserweights. They appreciate the matches. These big arenas for 205 Live don't appreciate the cruiserweights and they don't appreciate their style. Granted, I'm I'm not saying I'm like I'm a 205 advocate or anything. I have not watched a single episode of 205 Live. I haven't. There are a lot of guys I like on the show and who have come from that show. For instance, Buddy Murphy, uh, Neville, now Pac. Uh, you've had Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, Akira Tozawa is great. Tony Nese is very good. You know, a lot of great guys. The Brian Kendrick is over there. I was a big fan of his back in the day. But the point is... I never understood why you'd put the cruiserweights on after SmackDown when they just saw top guys like, you know, like Roman Reigns and uh, AJ Styles or Dean Ambrose at the time or The Miz or or Daniel Bryan. Um, Just guys who can wrestle the similar style to the cruiserweights. Why would I want to sit around for guys who are not as popular? That just never made any sense to me. I always figured you should put 205 Live before SmackDown, get the crowd hyped for some two, for some uh, for some cruiserweight action, and then there you go. I don't know, but I don't know if 205 Live is still a thing. I don't know if it's dead. I just keep hearing different rumors. You know, like 205 Live. Are you dead or not? Nah? I mean, come on. Just I don't know. But, but the Cruiserweight Championship is very much the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. So I would assume that it belongs to NXT and the Cruiserweights belong to NXT. But we have a new NXT Cruiserweight Champion in Angel Garza. And I gotta say, I was hooked on this match. You had Leo Rush kick out of Garza's, Garza's finisher. But Angel Garza did not give up. He locked in with a new submission move, which... Leo Rush tapped out. Angel Garza, just in the past month or so, month and a half, has really gained uh, the love of the NXT uh, universe in Full Full Sail University. Um, it all kind of happened when he had his match against um, Tommaso Ciampa, and he actually looked really good in that match. He had a first uh, Cruiserweight Championship match against Leo Rush, where Leo was kind of being, being a bit of a dick. Uh, he knew Angel Garza's foot was on the rope, and he pushed it as soon as he left out of the ring with a championship. Excuse me. I'm not exactly sure who was necessarily the babyface or who was the heel in these matches, but to be honest, I don't care. This match was great. It was fun, and it was for sure a great way to open NXT. I thought so. I thought it was a really great way to open NXT. Um... Later on in the night, Mia Yim got her hands on Dakota Kai. 
that story had been building because Dakota Kai was the one who, who who was the one who took out Mia Yim. She was the one who took her out. She was the one to cost her her spot in war games, and she turned heel on Tegan Knox, carrying around that bracelet, that bracelet, that uh, knee brace of Dakota Kai, which eventually that's gonna lead to a match between the two of them. There were promo packages all night hyping Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler, and I am telling you here right now, we are going to have a new NXT Women's Champion by next Wednesday. I'm guaranteeing that. Shayna Baszler has done everything she could possibly do in NXT. Everything. She's the only ever two-time NXT Women's Champion. She's beaten just about everybody on the NXT women's roster. From this current roster to previous incarnations with her on that roster. She's beaten them all. And it's just time to drop the belt and go to Raw and feud with Becky Lynch. Because clearly that's what they want to do. I see Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania this year. Granted, if Ronda Rousey doesn't want to come back. But I still think that's a money match between Baszler and Lynch. I think it is. Shayna Baszler has had great matches. People can get a little... She can be a little tiresome holding the belt forever. But she is one of the true heels on that show who can get genuine heel heat. Rhea Ripley is just over like hell. She's only 23 years old. I mentioned last... Uh, I think believe in the last episode that... If she made it all the way to WrestleMania 50, she'd be how old Shayna Baszler is now, which is 39. Rhea Ripley's ceiling is tremendously high. She is tremendously over. And it's time you have, you have, like I said last week, you have built the NXT Women's roster to the point where almost every woman is believable as NXT Women's Champion. They're believable as champion. And Rhea Ripley, I think, will hold on to that title for a very long time. We also had a uh, Travis Banks' debut at Full Sail University, where he faced Jackson Riker in a decent match, I'll say. Nothing too crazy about this one. I guess they're trying to start the hype for uh, Worlds Collide between NXT UK versus NXT the night before the Royal Rumble. Um... Although I'm a little bummed that we're not getting a takeover that weekend. I am optimistic about this one. Because the original Worlds Collide show, it was Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK. It was a lot of guys on the show who were, they, from what I understand, wasn't they weren't really doing too much. But I like the, this could, maybe Worlds Collide could kind of be like uh, NXT Survivor Series in a way. Like, their own Survivor Series in a way where NXT UK takes on NXT, uh, you know, US, you know? Where we could see matches like, um, like, I'd love to see Walter versus Keith Lee. That'd just be a chop fest. <laughs> you know? See matches like, uh, like Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain again. Because those matches were incredible that they had with Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong against Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. Or, you know, even, uh, you know, doing Travis Banks versus Adam Cole. Or Travis Banks 
versus Tommaso Ciampa or Johnny Gargano or Travis Banks versus Finn Balor, you know, having a lot of mix-ups in the different rosters and seeing what kind of combinations we can get. Kaylee Ray versus Rhea Ripley or Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley as a rematch their match they had over uh, earlier this year in TakeOver Blackpool. So there's a lot of combinations you can do, and that's they're starting to plant the seeds now, and they're starting to get the build now for the for that show, and and I think it's a good job. So far, so good. I think the main thing to talk about here is the main event: Finn Balor versus Keith Lee versus Tommaso Ciampa. This match was superb. This match was a lot of fun, and this match just shows how amazing Keith Lee is, along with Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa. I had said that I thought Keith Lee was going to win, and I thought Keith Lee was going to face Adam Cole next week for the NXT Championship. I picked Keith Lee to win. I was wrong. But I understand why they picked Finn Balor. Because next week's AEW show is stacking up very nicely. We are going to have Jungle Boy versus Chris Jericho. We're going to have the Young Bucks face SCU for the tag team titles. So, just those two alone, you know, you you are going to want to try and stack the deck against AEW. I know that they, these companies may say, oh, we're not at war or anything, but you are fighting for the fans to watch your programming. I mean, you can't say this isn't a war because to a certain extent, of course it is. You want people to watch your product over another product. Competition brings out the best in people, and I love this because we're getting... We have two great wrestling shows we can watch, and Finn Balor again, he is not like a not like anywhere near of a name like Chris Jericho. But again, hardcore wrestling fans, that's the audience of NXT and AEW. They're gonna wanna see Adam Cole versus Finn Balor. I think just with those two matches and with Rhea I mean Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler was gonna make me want to watch that match in general, because I'm a big fan of Rhea Ripley. But Finn Balor versus Adam Cole? You know, I think I made my decision. I'm watching NXT Live next week. I ain't missing that. I'll do what I did this week and watch AEW uh, on demand. But this match was a lot of fun. Again, Keith Lee just throwing these guys around. Keith Lee just lifting both these guys up at the same time. Keith Lee doing moonsaults. Keith Lee just doing the amazing things that Keith Lee does that normal people, that people like Keith Lee size just shouldn't do, and I love it. I love the finish in this match where Keith Lee was going for that power bomb out of nowhere. Here comes Finn Balor with the coup de gras and pins Keith Lee. I was very disappointed by that fact, but again, Finn Balor is supposed to be a heel. And we're not supposed to like him, even though he's just so friggin' cool right now. But I loved it. Era came out at the end of the night to uh, all stand together with Adam Cole, throwing up their uh, their undisputed era sign, Finn Balor, pointing to the title, saying it's coming home with him. That 
his future will be his past and he will become NXT champion. Now, will Finn Balor beat Adam Cole? It's a very good question. On the one hand, Adam Cole, like he said in the beginning of the show, he's on a t- he's on a run of a freaking lifetime. And I don't think that's just kayfabe. I, I I agree. I think Adam Cole has been the hottest commodity in NXT for a long time, and I think he's been doing a fantastic job. And I don't think it's time to take the title off him just yet. And then again, you have a guy like Finn Balor, who was your main guy in NXT at one point, and he is your guy you're trying to get people to watch and draw to watch NXT. So... I would understand if they put the title on Finn Balor, but it's more likely we'll get that title change with Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler rather than we get Adam Cole and Finn Balor. I feel like something's going to happen. I feel like Johnny Gargano is going to show up, and that'll probably set up a match between between the two of them coming up very soon. I actually thought that Gargano may have shown up last night, but. If the injury is as well, then again, we don't know when Gargano is going to be returning to the ring. We don't know his timetable to return to the ring, but I would imagine that Gargano would get involved somehow and face Finn Balor. And does it need to be for the title? No, absolutely not. I don't think there should be a championship match. I think Balor and Gargano don't need the title but I do think they will have their match at the next TakeOver. I don't even think it will be at Worlds Collide. I believe it will be at NXT TakeOver Tampa, and that is a blessing in disguise for Johnny Gargano. Yes, he got hurt, and it sucks he couldn't be a part of TakeOver this, uh, War Games, but he could be moving on to something even bigger, facing Finn Balor at TakeOver uh, Tampa. So, moving on, I will talk about AEW, and then I'll be getting into my TLC predictions kind of uh, all over the place here but like I said again guys my uh, schedule has been very hectic lately with my with my job my uh, just working so much all the freaking time but who cares about that not me anyway I just got done watching AEW a little while ago and um, talk about my favorite parts in the show what I think are really the most important things to talk about the first thing being one, John Moxley just squashed a local jobber and then just beat up on his his partner. Excuse me. After the match, the inner circle come out and they all surround the ring and Jericho slowly gets in the ring and just he said, Hold ho ho hold on, Moxley, hold on. Look, if we wanted to beat the shit out of you, we would have done that already, trust me. We got I have nothing I have no problem with you. I just want to talk to you. He said how Moxley and him and have, have had history. They've beaten the shit out of each other. He threw him on tax, which Sean and I were there for that show. Um, we have, uh, he said, we've had many battles, many wars, and pretty much, you know, gave him, he said, like, and when you fell out of this business and you wanted a passion back for it, you called me and I helped you get here to AEW. And how'd you thank me? You beat me up. You hit me with a paradigm shift that double or nothing, which is okay. I'm okay with that because it still shows you can you still have that fire and intensity, and you still can be an asshole. 
pretty much what Jericho does is that he offers John Moxley to join the inner circle. He hands him an inner circle t-shirt. John Moxley did not put the shirt on. Jericho said, "Listen, this is not something we this is not a decision you can just make right here and now. I don't expect that. This is a decision that may take a week or two to think about. So just think about it, and when you're ready to give your decision, you just let us know and we'll know where to find you. Talk it over with your with your lovely wife. Talk it over with your mom who I've met too is a very lovely sweet woman. Just think about it, Moxley." Think about it. What Jericho is doing here in a KFM sense is that John Moxley wants the AEW championship. And he is pretty much the most over guy, over baby face on the show. And he's the guy, and he's pretty much the number one contender for this title at this, one point, at, at this point in time. Chris Jericho sees this, realizes this, and it's kind of like uh, you know the old Star Wars tactic where... You know, Darth Vader and the Emperor sense that you know Luke Skywalker could be the could be could be the one to defeat him. But like, but if he joined us together, we can rule the galaxy. I apologize for my impressions. <laughs> I apologize. I'm a, a massive idiot. I'm just excited for Star Wars coming out in a few weeks. But Moxley did not say no. Does this mean Moxley will join the inner circle? I don't think so. And I've even said Moxley should not join the inner circle because when you get too many people in a faction, it can really dilute the faction. It can really make other members in the in the in the faction maybe seem not as important. And really, what do these guys do? I mean, Jericho's the champion. Santana and Ortiz are the tag team. They're the ones who want to go after the tag titles. Sammy Guevara, there's no mid-card title at the moment. He's the mid-card guy. Eventually, he'll want to go for a mid-card title if there is one. Right now, he's just like in a kayfabe sense, and he's just like, hey, dude, I'm just I'm just following Chris Jericho, and I got like the best in the world, the best to ever do it, showing me all this guidance and all this, and I'm never going to turn on him. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. We don't know yet. And then you got Jake Hager as the muscle. Big hurt. <laughs> um... Again, it's um, it's a matter of um, I think the inner circle and every member of the inner circle plays their role perfectly, and I think you don't need any more people in the inner circle, especially John Moxley. John Moxley is great on his own, and he needs to stay on his own. But this, from the storyline perspective, he's just trying to distract Moxley so he doesn't go after the title. I can see Moxley joining the inner circle be with them for a few weeks and then turn on him and turn turn on Jericho just so we can get the championship. AEW had also announced that their next pay-per-view will be coming from Chicago, AEW Revolution, February 20th, I believe. Now, this seems you know, a little strange they picked Chicago for this next pay-per-view. I mean, they just had all out back in August. They just had. They were just in Champaign, Illinois. It's not too far from Chicago. They just had. They when they were just in Chicago, Illinois, the week prior. Um. I don't know. We're you know the New York, New Jersey area is patiently waiting for AEW to announce a show here or a pay per view, something at the very least. But I'm sure when it finally does, we will go. We will lose our minds. And hopefully I can go. Because if 
if I'm right, I keep saying, I just think they're going to do it Memorial Day weekend, double or nothing, too. And unfortunately, I have to be at a wedding Memorial Day weekend for one of my best friends. And obviously, I can't miss my best friend, one of my best friend's wedding for a wrestling show, unfortunately. But time will tell, and I'm sure they will save it for something big. And that's what I think they'll table for. We had also seen that AW had signed uh, Big Swole and Chris, I can't remember her name at the moment, but she has a really cool look, Alien, the Alien Girl. Yeah, they signed her too. Apologies that I cannot remember her name at the moment. Um, we also had uh, Sammy Guevara take on Luchasaurus in a match where Sammy Guevara was defe- uh, defeated by Luchasaurus, and Jake Hager and Chris Jericho bullied uh, Tony Schiavone and Excalibur out of <laughs> out of the uh, the commentary booth. And just Chris Jericho is pretty damn good at com- uh, comedy. Yes, comedy, but commentary. Um, I think uh, he was actually actually he was actually really doing a really good job with commentary. And every time when she's like, what do you think, Big Hurt? Yeah, see, exactly, he agrees with me. Jake Hager said, like, one thing throughout that entire match. It was fun. Uh, I'm I'm glad seeing uh, Luchasaurus is is back and healthy. And this is a pretty fun match between him and Sammy Guevara. Um, After the match, Jake Hager... Well, before the match ended, Jake Hager and Jericho tried interfering to stop... uh, Luchasaurus from beating Sammy Guevara. They were unsuccessful, but Luchasaurus was successful in defeating Sammy Guevara. And a big brawl happened between the Inner Circle members and uh, Luchasaurus and uh, Jurassic Express. Jungle Boy Jack Perry got an unofficial pin on the on the champion, but by Marco Stunt. And of course, after the matches, they're yelling at the commentary uh, commentary team. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. I'm still the champion. But um. Uh, again, I've said before that Jericho really wants to work with younger guys and really wants to try and uh, raise their stock by having matches with them. And just like he did with Darby Allen, I think he'd do the same thing for Jungle Boy. Um, earlier in the night, we had a tag match where Cody was was teaming with um, MT Baby. I, damn, what the hell was this guy's name? As I try and look here and try and remember who the hell this guy was, he was Cody's tag partner, and I believe he's the same guy from like the uh, Road Twos on uh, the Nightmare Family YouTube channel. Uh, the guy with the apples. What in the hell is his name? I'm looking it up right now. Bear with me here for a second. But yeah, he was his tag team partner. And... Um, Chris Stat- Statlander, by the way, that is her name. She is the one who is signed to AEW. Good for her. And um, it was QT Marshall. That's who it was. QT Marshall. They had a tag match against the Butcher and the Blade with the Bunny accompanying them, Allie, accompanying them at ringside, obviously. Uh, they had beaten They had beaten Cody and QT uh, with QT taking the pinfall. Darby Allen scurries right past them 
and lays out his hand for Cody Rhodes to pick, help pick him up, which Cody Rhodes accepted. Cody Rhodes has said in his previous promo that he doesn't have a friend in AEW right now. And maybe that seems to be true with this whole rivalry with MJF. And MJF cut a, a really great promo last night on Cody Rhodes. Just saying, and really just laying into the crowd as well. When he had that botched crossroads, one of the, he brought one of the security guards into the ring and said, you know, when I hit that crossroads, you laughed. When Cody Rhodes said how horrible my cross, about my crossroads, you said you were laughing, weren't you? He's like, no, 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 I wasn't. He's like, ah, it's okay, all is forgiven. Like, but you got to kiss my ring. So he kisses the ring. He leaves. Wardlow gets in the security guard's way. He pushes him, and then MJF hits the code, uh, the uh, uh, crossroads. Gets in the mic, and the media's like, "Oh, how was that cross crossroads, Cody?" He called Cody Rhodes fake. He called him manipulated. He called him a liar. He, but ultimately, he agreed to a match with Cody Rhodes. But he has stipulations, which he will reveal on New Year's Day in Jacksonville what those stipulations exactly are. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page had a tag match against Kip Sabian and Sean Spears, which this was a lot of fun. Um, Hangman Page is kind of acting a bit like a like a dick, a, a little bit, because in towards the ending sequences of this match, Kenny Omega pretty much had this match won. Hangman Page self -tag, uh, hits, gets a self-tag and then hits the buckshot Lariat for the win to beat Kip Sabian. Kenny was kind of just like, oh, all right, I mean, win's a win, you know, it's cool, you know, they, they shook they shook hands, they hugged. Um, towards, before that, Joey Janela had come out, the lights had went dark, but then Joey Janela comes out, and he had kidnapped Tully Blanchard. Sean Spears was uh, going after uh, Joey Janela, they brawled, and, um, but yeah, Hangman and Kenny Omega got the victory over uh, uh, Sean Spears and Kip Sabian, which... I like Kip Sabian a lot. I think he can really be a future player in the promotion in AEW. But just trying to see if I'm missing literally anything else from AEW at the moment. And right now I don't think I am. But the main event was the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz in a Texas street fight match. The winners would become the number one contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championships against SCU the following week. At the time, Santana and Ortiz had the better record. They were the number one contenders. The Young Bucks had to beat Santana and Ortiz to make their record better so they could face Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian for the tag team titles. This match was all sorts of fun, all sorts of crazy. Not as nearly as crazy as All Out against the Lucha Brothers, but it was a lot of fun. At one point, you had Santana and Ortiz hitting Nick Jackson. We had the trash can on his head with the saw, the sock with the soap inside of it with the kendo stick. And then in comes Matt with the Dallas Cowboys helmet, spears them both. I love that Santana just spit on the helmet and threw it out of the ring because he's a Giants fan. And yeah, Giants all day, baby, even though we suck. But the Cowboys and the Eagles suck, and everybody in the NFC East sucks anyway. But 
We had seen Nick Jackson do a swanton, uh, senton, whatever, swanton senton bomb off of the stage onto Sammy Guevara. They hit a Meltzer, uh, a uh, indie taker on Sammy Guevara on the stage. Hit a Meltzer driver onto uh, Ortiz inside the ring on chairs. Just a bunch of crazy chair spots, crazy ladder spot. Uh, no ladders, actually, I don't think. Uh, at one point. Ortiz was thrown over the over the top ropes to be thrown to the t- uh, to be thrown into the tables, and then Nick, Matt Jackson got thrown over the top rope to be got thrown into a table. You had the Young Bucks hit super kicks on Ortiz through, uh, with chairs up against his face. Matt Jackson had a fl- uh, rolling 450, 450 splash onto Ortiz with a trash can. You had Jake Hager get involved. Matt Jackson inadvertently, when he tried to hit Jake Hager, he inadvertently hit the referee, Rick Knox. Later on comes Aubrey Edwards. Right before Santana and Ortiz were about to win the match with their finisher, Nick pulls Aubrey out, which, you know, it's no disqualification. You kind of get away with all that, which I didn't mind. But the finish of the match saw... Matt and Nick hitting the Meltzer driver onto onto Ortiz on the chairs, winning the match, and they are now the number one contenders to face SCU for the tag team titles. I'm excited about this, and I think it's very smart that they put the Young Bucks against SCU for next week for the tag team titles. Again, just like AEW NXT trying to stack the deck against AEW, AEW are trying to do the same exact thing. Because if there's one thing that would make me want to miss NXT next week, it's seeing the Young Bucks win the AEW Tag Team titles. That's the one thing that it would be. Granted, it's a good thing that they didn't win the Tag Team title tournament and they didn't become the the first ever uh, AEW Tag Team Champions. But now it's okay. I think as long as the Bucks don't just, you know, win the titles all the time, I think we'll be fine. Yes, there are draws, and eventually there will be champions at one point. But that will entice a lot of hard, again, hardcore fans to want to watch AEW maybe over NXT. I don't know. So that should be a fun match. Scorpio Sky and Frank Kazarian against the Young Bucks. They've had great matches together in Ring of Honor. Hell, I mean, Sean and I saw them in the uh, Ladder Wars match with the Briscoes involved in that match. So, again, AEW and NXT are stacking the decks against each other. And I love it. I friggin' love it. I love pro wrestling, especially when it comes to stuff like this. But I think as we wind down here, let's get into quickly my TLC predictions for this coming Sunday. Obviously, whatever happens tomorrow night on SmackDown, I won't know because this is pre-recorded for that. So we're going to kick things off with the New Day. Kofi Kingston and Big E defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the Revival, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder. Um... I'm just going to play it safe here and say the New Day. Um, I just just think that they're kind of in this spot. 
just I think they're just going to hold on to the tag titles, and I think the Revival were kind of a last-minute replacement because uh, Robert Roode was uh, suspended for violating his first wellness pol- uh, having his first wellness pol- policy violation, and I believe Dolph and Roode were supposed to be the original opponents, but uh, I'm just going to go with New Day. Just feel like they're going to win here. We're getting Bobby Lashley with Lana versus Rusev in a tables match. Um, this one I'm not too sure about. I think it's probably the one I'm the most unsure of because I can I can see them continuing the feud here. But if there's one feud I'd rather have them continue out of all of these. Where I was like, it's you know, it's like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. When the two feuds on the show were just like, oh god, please don't continue either one of these. I'd rather see Rusev and Bobby Lashley continue their feud over the following match I'm about to mention. But I'm gonna go with Bobby Lashley. I, I just for whatever reason, I think he's probably gonna win, and they may extend this just for a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know how far they'll extend this, but I'm not confident on this one. Say Bobby Lashley. And the following match I'm talking about was Roman Reigns versus Baron King King Corbin in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. This is the feud I don't want them to continue. They've done it before. Just like, ah, it's Corbin. You know, they're not going to do much. And then they push it to the moon all year. So I'm saying Roman Reigns. This feud has been horrible, but I think we also have to remember there are feuds when we were probably when we were kids growing up watching wrestling that were really bad that probably most adults thought were horrible. So we have to try and remember... Wrestling isn't necessarily all just for, you know, guys in their eight late teens and early early to mid twenties into their all the way to their forties and fifties. You have to remember there are kids who like watching wrestling too, and I'm sure that's what this is for. So I'm gonna go with Roman Reigns. Next up we'll be having the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar, defending the Raw Tag Team Championships in an open challenge. Now, we don't know who the teams are going to be. I'm going to be predicting who I think the team will be and who will win the match. Now, who I think the team could be, it's it's hard. I mean, a few, there are a few teams that come to mind. Gallows and Anderson, um, they, I think they kind of beat them in the uh, the tag team tournament to, to determine the best tag team in the world at Crown Jewel. I don't know. Um, the Street Profits, because we kind of got a taste of what they can do, and maybe they'll do more this Sunday. Who knows? Um, I've heard people kind of throw, maybe throw the Undisputed Era in there. You still try and get, have NXT uh, get gain some viewership and maybe just have them come in here, O'Reilly and Fish. But I'm actually going to go with the Usos. I think the Usos are going to open the uh, answer the open challenge because we haven't seen the Usos in a long time. You know, Jimmy and Jay haven't been doing anything because of Jimmy Usos, uh, you know, recent uh, DUI charges. Um, or yeah, I think there were DUI charges, and uh, they're just waiting for the right time to put them in there. And I believe they're still on Raw, so they've been gone long enough. I think everything's going okay with Jimmy Uso at the moment, personally, and I hope everything is going okay with him. So I think we will get the Usos versus the Viking Raiders, but I think the Viking Raiders will win that match just to be safe. And it would just be nice to see the Usos back back on the on, on a pay-per-view again, to see them wrestle again. Next, we're going to see here, let's see what we got here. Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. The one match on the entire show that's most likely going to go to the pre-show because it just hasn't been too much build. Please don't put it on the pre-show. 
Please announce something else tomorrow night on SmackDown that will be on the pre-show. Give Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black time. And please let Aleister Black win. Now, I like both these guys a lot. I like Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black a lot. But Aleister Black has clearly had more of a build than Buddy Murphy. It's going to be a hell of a match if you give them time. So please give them time. But I'm going to go with Aleister Black here. I think they're, they're planning something big for him. And hopefully he has a big money match at WrestleMania this year. Next up, we're going with Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. Now, this is not for the Universal Championship, and it's not The Fiend. It's Bray Wyatt. On SmackDown this week, Bray Wyatt was taunting The Miz and said that he showed a picture with of Bray Wyatt. He photoshopped with him and, and Miz's family, with his daughters and his wife, Maurice. And Bray Wyatt had the actual Bray Wyatt beat up The Miz. I like this a lot because it, it calls back to like a thing of like, you know, like a Mick Foley of, of split personalities. And I'm glad that we're seeing the Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt come out here. And not the Fiend, because that makes the Fiend feel like a bigger deal. You know, not using him as much. But um I'm gonna go with Bray Wyatt here because um, you know, just Again, keep the whole thing going strong. Keep the whole thing of The Fiend and Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt. Just keep them looking good and, you know, th- th- not much else to say. You know, I, I will, will Daniel Bryan come? Because The Fiend recently ripped the hair out of Daniel Bryan. And recently Daniel Bryan got a haircut. So The Fiend, again, is making people go back to their previous incarnations of themselves. He, he got a, a cut off his long hair and he shaved his, trimmed his beard. So now he's... Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan first come to WWE, I don't know, but um, but uh, will we see Daniel Bryan? I'm, I'm I'm not sure, but Bray Wyatt, Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt will beat uh, the Miz. And let's see what else we got here. And finally, which I think will be the main event of the show, the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kyrie Sane versus the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair in a TLC match for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, This is another one that I'm not entirely confident on, but I think I'm going to go with Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, you know, because if it's one thing WWE love to do, it's the, oh, how can these two women who are who don't get along coexist? How can they do this? How can they do that? They've done it with just about everybody who they've feuded with. I know it's, a, you know, I think they're doing a second women's, uh, a second evolution, uh, uh, evolution pay-per-view next year. Um, and really I think they do Charlotte and Becky again but I, I don't know because when you look at the women's main roster on Raw there really isn't any other woman on Becky's level besides Charlotte but um, but I think they're going to just win the match and the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kyrie will probably win them back on Raw the following night or over the following few weeks or, or whatever So because WWE love to play that shit up. Oh, how can these two women or these two guys coexist as a tag team? They're tag team champions and they can't stand each other. They love that shit. So I'm going with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. And if they do, every single woman from the four horsewomen of the WWE would have at least held the women's championship. 
But anyway, I've been rambling on here for a while now, and uh, I'm getting pretty damn tired. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Excuse me. Uh, you know, be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor.fm, and wherever you can find uh, podcasts on. Be sure to like us at Facebook, follow us on Twitter at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, you know, what was your favorite match from this week? What match are you most looking forward to, TLC? Uh, I've got some some ideas coming up that I'd like to put out before the end of the year. I, you know, I, I want to do a, uh, a top 10 best matches of uh, 2019. You know, top 10, um, you know, wrestlers of the year. year Top 10, ma- uh, I did say matches of the year. Uh, pay-per-views. Uh, I have a lot of ideas. I do want to get in at least a few of them this year. Some in-the-can uh, episodes, uh, I let and uh, hopefully Sean can join me for some of them. Uh, I really do. I miss. I miss, I really miss Sean being on here, uh, and maybe gets maybe get a special guest in for one or for one. You know, um, but you know, as uh, years coming to a close pretty soon, we've had a lot of great wrestling. We've had a lot of great moments. A lot of cool things happen this year. But um, you know, we got one more pay per view in the can because you know, because who knows? Maybe one of these matches this year could make that top ten list. I'm gonna put together the top ten best matches of the year so far. Who knows? But anyway, guys, please thank, uh, please uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on social media, listen to us on all your podcast formats, download, uh, follow, all those things. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I've been CJ Palmasano, and I will see you next time.